how do you best solve a problem? You know, throughout much of the 20th century, we solved hard problems by making them into simple problems. And really what a choreographer says is we can't take a hard, complex problem, make it simple, and then expect to get results. We have to embrace that complexity. Welcome to episode 89 of Chaos and Rocket Fuel, the Future of Work podcast. This, as you might expect, is the podcast that looks at every aspect of work in the future. It's brought to you by Wanda and Patton. I'm Doug Folks, and my co-host is the CEO at Wanda and Patton, Claire Haydar. Claire, haven't chatted you for quite a while. How are you doing? Really good, Doug. How are you? I know that you've you've started your e-bike mission recently. Have you gotten out on the trails with those bikes yet? Oh, absolutely loving it, yeah. I decided that at my senior age, I needed some motorized assistance rather than just pedaling the, the damn bike around. So um, yeah, I'm all about <laughs> e-bikes these days. But we're not here to talk about me. No, we're not here to talk about you, but you live a very interesting life, Doug. (laughs) (laughs) That may be. We are here to talk to Hannah Rechardt and Dan McClure, who are a uh, business couple who have put together a book about choreography or choreographers. I'm pretty sure it's nothing to do with dancing, so I'm going to ask you, what is it all about? So, Doug, before we dive into what this conversation was about, I have to admit, and I mean, I actually opened the conversation with this, that this topic really piqued my interest because I genuinely think, I mean, and it confirmed itself in the conversation, but as we started this and as we started having the planning conversation with them, I secretly genuinely thought I was a choreographer. Turns out I am one, and I think you're one too. You never admitted it, but I think you are one. So, as you say, it's not about dancing. It's not about the typical arts that we associate the word choreographer for or with. It is very much a business conversation, and it's about this role that very specific people in the world of business, and not just business, like, I mean, more broadly, you find them in the scientific community, you find them in, you know, the much broader community outside of business have been fulfilling, but it's never actually been labeled as such. Um, It's a very diverse role. It's a very important role. And they're naming it. They're putting a label on it. They're writing about it and they're talking about the practical applications and the power of a company actually recognizing this role and what it can mean for them. So starting right off, um, you know, in segment one, we actually go back to the basics with them and actually look at the definition. So what is a choreographer? Why is it not being formalized to date? Is it very similar to other roles that we do recognize and that have been labeled? And, you know, what is the evolutionary trajectory of this role? So those are the four main questions that we explore in this section. Well, my interest is definitely piqued. Dan, Hannah, hello and welcome to the show with us today. It's just so good to have you guys on with us. And I can honestly say that out of all of the preparation calls that I've had with potential podcast guests, the call with you guys was my favorite. It stands at my number one. And it just piqued so many more questions in my mind. Like I think it consumed about two or three dinner conversations post our prep calls. So (laughs) to say I'm excited about this podcast would be an understatement. It's good to have you both here. Lovely to be with you, Claire. Well, it's great to be here. And 
it's a subject that we're excited about too. So we can all be excited together. Exactly. Yeah. I want us to get into this very first section, which I've just called definitions, because I really want us to to get to the heart of what we're going to be talking about today. So you guys are two subject matter experts on choreographers in the workplace. Tell us what those are. Let me begin with just a description of the space that choreographers occupy. So the world is changing around us. We have all sorts of new challenges. There's big things like climate change and you know equity in, in the world, et cetera. There are disruptions going on with businesses that have to reinvent themselves. And there's a whole bunch of innovators with pilots that just haven't gone anywhere yet. And so there are all these big sort of innovation challenges that it doesn't seem like we've been coping with very well. What a choreographer does is they look at the innovation from a big perspective. They look across all the different pieces, and they're the ones that knit all these pieces together to be able to solve the big problem, disrupt the industry, complete the innovation. So you can think of choreographers as the big picture thinkers and actors in innovation. I like that. Hannah, do you have something you want to add to that? Yeah, I think Dan's hit the nail on the head. What I would say is choreographers, where other innovators maybe see complexity and try to make it super simple in order to manage it, choreographers kind of lean into the complexity and actually get really excited about it and see within it huge amounts of opportunities for what's possible and what can change. So it's something about like the appetite for for really getting stuck into things that feel difficult and complex and to others maybe seem like you have to break them apart really simply to move forward. Choreographers find a different way. Instead of breaking apart to actually bring it all together. Yeah, and I think this is a key thing is this idea that how do you best solve a problem? You know, throughout much of the 20th century, we solved hard problems by making them into simple problems. And really what a choreographer says is we can't take a hard, complex problem, make it simple, and then expect to get results. We have to embrace that complexity. Yes, yes, yes. On so many levels, yes. Doug, over to you. I'm going to start off by saying um, give my welcomes and hellos. Nice to meet you too. Lovely to meet you, Doug. It's good to see you. So you've called it a choreographer. Why has this role not been formalized to date? And what would you say is prompting it to emerge now? Hannah, do you want to jump in on that? Yeah, I think something that's really interesting is in the arts, we witness that there is this kind of role frequently playing a really critical part in in creating success, in bringing lots of different pieces of creative action together. And, you know, that's why we use the language of choreographer, but it could be like a conductor in an orchestra or maybe even like a curator in a museum. Someone who isn't leading from the front and asking everyone to fall behind them in line really neatly and in order. Someone who can manage all lots of different action happening in different places. So it's been a really strong reflection that Dan and I have shared is that in business and, and in social impact world, we haven't had the kind of language or conceptualization, but we're seeing the need for this kind of role all the time. 
So using the language of choreographer helps us to state that there's a different kind of role that we need to act creatively in the spaces in which we operate. Yeah, and I think this is real key because we see that there's a type of problem emerging that needs this new role. So while the arts have always recognized sort of this need to knit things together, it's really the problems that are emerging right now that are driving the urgency for the choreographer role now. We're essentially getting into the problem spaces that need this kind of skill. And more and more organizations are finding that they have those challenges. And as a result, they need a choreographer. So that leads on actually perfectly to the question that I wanted to ask is, have we seen like variations or almost like immature versions of this role to date in the workplace? Or is this brand new? Like, what is your guys' perspective on that? I think it would be a mistake to see this role as, for example, the next generation of user-centered designer or the next generation of project manager. It's not a case where the choreographer is descended from these earlier um, specialized innovation roles that serve other types of innovation practices. Rather, the choreographer really approaches innovation differently. So in many ways, they're a new and unique role. On the other hand, it's not like choreographers haven't existed. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the thing. I think that choreographers hide in plain sight. You know, they, they live amongst us. We, we are them, some of us. And um, they are in people's organisations today, often kind of hidden away and a little bit undervalued for the kind of skill set that they actually might bring. So, you know, Dan and I reflected that often your choreographers might be stuck in a project management role where they may be doing a not very fantastic job because they're not really operating in the complex space in which they will thrive. So they, But they might be the people within your organisation who are asking bigger purpose questions, who are perhaps operating between teams, knitting people together, kind of weaving in amongst lots of different initiatives that are happening, or perhaps the people who are, who are leaning externally outwards and seeing opportunities beyond the boundaries of your organisation and kind of pushing the boundaries of which you're operating within. So we think choreographers are very much there, you know, and, and all around us, but often haven't been valued for that sort of specialist skill set that they're actually bringing. So I want us to pause here before we go on, because something that has come across in every single one of the responses that you guys have given so far is this innovation component. It's almost as if you can't divorce the choreographer from innovation. And you said something important, Dan, you said they approach innovation differently, which is why you can't liken them to a PM or UX designer. Can you walk us through what that different approach is? And can you also walk us through like typically how we see innovation in a company, but how this is different so that we have a clear picture of that contrast? Yeah, it might be useful to like do a little short history of innovation through the ages. Would love it. (laughs) If you think about innovation in the late 20th century, 1980s, 1990s, it was really all about reductionist breaking big blocks of things into small pieces, having very formal processes for analyzing everything, stage gates for checking for when things were done, and then essentially delivering 
to plan. And that was the place where the project manager thrived. Later, we got into a world where we basically said, now we want to optimize those things that were built out. And we got Deming working with the auto industry and eventually coming up with ISO 9000 lean practices that allowed us to optimize and make fine adjustments to established systems. And then in the 20th century, with the emergence of the web and with mobile devices, we came up with yet a third version of innovation, which was this digital innovation around Eric Reese's lean startup, fail fast, get out there and user-centered design yourself with users in the field and focus on very narrow, specific products. That history of basically project manager, lean startup, coach, going to user-centered designer and product manager, each one of those was very focused on a simpler form of innovation. What we see today is problems where all the pieces are connected together. And this type of innovation you can think of is like building an ecosystem. So now, instead of doing something where we're focusing on a specific digital product or a specific feature that we want to improve, we're really looking for how do we connect multiple actors, multiple resources, multiple pieces of technology together into a web that can do big new things. And this is how we're going to solve a problem like climate change. It's not going to be a mobile app that's going to end climate change. It's going to be connecting all these different pieces together. And so that's the big shift here, is this move from simpler innovations for the prior three generations to this more complex tying pieces together. Perfect. Made a lot of sense to me. Before we move on to the the second segment, my thought was around the last thing you were saying, Hannah, is, is you started alluding to the different skill sets that the choreographer has. Can you elaborate a little bit more on that and maybe just give us the top two or three things that make them different to, say, a, a, a normal innovator, if you like? Sure. I'll start, Doug, and then, and then Dan, you jump in. I, so I'd say the thing about being a choreographer is they are excellent at being generalists. So often they come with this kind of bizarre portfolio of careers and skills they've picked up in different places. They're often kind of curious and lent into different ideas that they've stumbled across along the way. So, you know, their CVs don't look that standard. They look a bit bizarre. Um, I think they, they, so you'd say that they're people who can draw on these experiences and these different ideas and mindsets from multiple disciplines and put them to good use. They are really good at looking at a vision and helping to craft what that might be. So whether that's with words or with pictures, they're able to look at what the system could be if it was changed and operated differently. So they're often quite visionary in nature. You know, they can hold it all together, all of that complexity, and also help tell it to other people and and really bring people with them on that journey. Um, So that's a really important part of that is that storytelling ability as well as the visioning ability. And I'd say they're also rebels. So, you know, choreographers like to push the boundaries of the rules and what's considered the way we do things here or the way we're going to win in the marketplace. They don't mind questioning the things that we take for granted and disrupting in lots of the places in which they're operating. 
I think one of the things that you can almost detect a choreographer from is you look at their resume and it looks like a fruit salad, you know, just a little bit of everything. And I think Hannah has a, a wonderful fruit salad resume. Hannah, tell us about your fruit salad for a moment. It is a bit mad, Dan. So I've got my first degree was in geography and I sort of specialise in urban geography, actually. And then um, went to work in the, in the financial services sector, worked at Lehman Brothers, worked at a massive insurance company, um, a big law firm before heading into the humanitarian world where I worked for a really long time. And whilst I was there, picking up lots of different jobs along the way, never managed to stay on one specific career path. I kept getting interested in wholly different ideas and then took a psychology degree. So, you know, I could never really explain to people neatly what that meant or what I was good at. And it was really starting to think about the conceptualization of the choreographer that made sense to me that when I was at my best in a complex innovation space, I was using and drawing on all of these experiences and all of these different ways of seeing the world. Because comparing like um, an academic background in geography compared to psychology they're not in contradiction, but they're different layers which you can draw on, which gives you a completely different perspective on a problem. Uh, Hannah, and I think something that I want to add to that is, is that because I can, I have a very, very ugly fruit salad CV. <laughs> and one of the things that I've found in terms of actually being able to communicate that to people is you the one that can draw the golden thread through all of the different experiences and apply it to whatever is applicable right now. You know, so for example, I'm currently running this technology company. I can take it and I can say, okay, from that company, I learned this and I can apply it. Yeah, I can apply it. Yeah, and I can apply it all to technology. But somebody just looking at the CV would be like, what the hell, you know, like, why were you working there? Like, how is this related to this? You know what I mean? And like, for example, our board chair at our company, very similar to you, like her undergraduate and postgraduate degree is in Russian. You know what I mean? And yet, you know, and then she worked for a travel agent and then she became the first ever female partner in McKinsey. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, you look at that and you're like, McKinsey and Russian, like how do those two come together? And yet if you actually speak to her, because this is one conversation that she and I had, like literally the dinner ran about four hours long because she was telling me this connection where she was explaining to me how that degree in Russian served her being able to actually become the first female partner at McKinsey. You know what I mean? That That's the fascinating piece about it. So, and that leads to your point about the storytelling piece is it's the ability to see that golden thread and apply it to the current situation that you're in. I think one of the things that's exciting about this is it's not only your personal CV that ends up being a fruit salad, but the solutions and the problems you address end up being fruit salads. I mean, one of the things that's been so exciting over the last few years as we've been working together on these types of projects is just the range of things that a choreographer can stick their nose into. So we've worked on pandemic response and how do we manage data more effectively for pandemics. We've looked at how do you build communication systems in Mongolia. We've talked about climate change in India and China. We've looked at how do you reinvent financial service companies in the U.S. I mean, it's just like, how do all these knit together? Well, they knit together because they all need this big generalist view of how you're going to reimagine them. 
And it's, it's just so exciting to be in this role because you get to play in so many different pools and puddles. And that brings us to the end of our first conversation with choreographers Hannah Reichart and Dan McClure. To follow this conversation further, make sure to catch the next two parts on Spotify, Google or Apple Podcasts, or on Wonder's website. That's wndyr.com. From Claire and myself, we'll see you soon.